0: I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking Bat Books, which came out October 1995. Jason, mm. let me tell you about a little something that happened to this this channel. This channel that people are tuned into for a second right now. Oh shit, something happened? Something happened. I got an email from YouTube. They were like, we're ta- we've are we taken down your channel. And I was like, w- wait, what? Because what, I've been putting don't. content up there for like probably seven or eight years, like a long time. Yeah. And, we, and they didn't give a reason. And then I was like, well, I'm going to appeal the process, you know? So I said yeah. the appeal and they were like, and then they emailed me back and they were like, oh, you're good. And I was like, What? was this and the only thing i can think of is we talked about maddie's dc pride list and that video got like maybe 10 times the amount of views that like the other videos got and i wonder i wonder if some conservatives were like these people are acknowledging that gay people exist in
1: the world and we have to report this channel you know, probably because I can't, you know, I keep on turning over my head. I think it was a screenshot of a Tumblr post or it was just a screenshot of some comment that I saw, but like it put it real succinctly of the sort of like pity almost that someone felt for uh, transphobes or homophobes. And they were just like, imagine caring that much like about this thing that has no effect on like just imagine going that insane over it over other people right doing and like letting it consume your life like and like jason that that video was just like
0: some people who are uh lgbtq plus like made some comic books we didn't even we didn't even push the gay agenda but we're going to now oh yeah now now we are this, oh, yeah. this podcast kills fascists
1: basically oh, yeah. what's happening from now on <laughs> yeah in the in, in the gayest way possible you have to, like <laughs> have to figure out how that's gonna be but it's gonna be
0: it's gonna be a rainbow guillotine is what it is oh yeah <laughs> yeah
1: yeah oh well, speaking of guillotines yeah speaking speaking of what does that mean there, there, there's a guillotine in one of the books this week.
0: Oh, right. Yes. In uh, Detective <laughs> Comics, I believe. Or is it yeah. Batman? It's Batman uh, 524. It's Batman. Yeah. It's Batman yeah, with uh, Kelly Jones.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it was the spooky. Let's
0: let's get to the guillotine. All right. Batman 524, written by Doug Munch, with pencils by Kelly Jones, inks by John Beatty, colors by Greg Wright, seps by Android Images, edited by Denny O'Neill with associate editor Jordan Gorfunkel. It's Scarecrow, part two. We pick up where we left off. Batman diving out of the skyscraper after a guy who's been fear-gassed and jumped out the window. They're falling to the pavement fast. Batman nabs him and grapples to safety. With Scarecrow on the run, Batman hits up Scarecrow's other bully, assuming that's where he's going after he leaves that bully, bully's house. I, I don't know. He the finds bully of the bully. The bully of the bully. He finds a robot crow there. Which gives it's him a clue to where Scarecrow is. Jason, why didn't he just leave a note? It's a it's a full-on robotic crow that's leaving a cue, leaving a, a
1: clue. <laughs> I, I, I mean uh, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it more, but I kinda yeah, we'll we'll get into it more. Scarecrow is at the dark
0: pandemonium carnival in a giant abandoned devil head, because of course he is. That fucking rules. <laughs> Hell yeah. Batman heads to the dark carnival. He throws a battering out uh, into the mouth of the devil, triggering fear gas. He's safe from it and hops in a trap door to try to outflank Scarecrow. He fights and dodges his way through several traps in, in the haunted house. Eventually he falls down a chute into the Scarecrow's ultimate trap, which Batman comes out of the chute and onto a pressure platform that triggers a guillotine with the bully in it. Before the guillotine can kill the bully, Batman just kicks it apart. It seems like
1: not a really great guillotine, to be honest. Like Well, I mean, Scarecrow is what a professor, a professor of English literature, you know. He wasn't like in architecture right. or engineering or anything. Right. right. You know, right. so like, right. yeah, he's right. he's a book kid. He's an indoor kid. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So Batman breaks the guillotine before he can kill the bully, and then Proceeds to then like shame the bully for his actions about it. He was basically like, "Well, you get what you get when you're a bully, and it's like "He's a, he's a strapped in a fucking guillotine, Jason
1: <laughs> like yeah, yeah he, he, he you know, Batman, I think that like he should take some sensitivity just just some right just a little bit <laughs> just a little bit like so, some sensitivity training, but for like just basic humanness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because because in the Rat Catcher story uh, at the beginning of it, you know, he he saves a guy who's being covered by a swarm of rats. And basically, like, you know, like at the end of a session with a sex worker, he's like, the money's on the table. He's like, you should go see (laughs) an ambulance. Yeah. speaking
0: Speaking of, he just like kicks a hole in the fiberglass head of the of the devil thing. And then he's like, go towards the lights and get help. Get out of here, you idiot. And it's like, this dude's been fear gassed and strapped to a guillotine and thought he was gonna die. I, yeah, he might want like a hug. Like yeah, a single one, hug. Yeah, right. Right. If Robin was there, he would have hugged him.
1: Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's
0: true. He pushes him out of the hole, tells him to go get help. Batman then turns his attention to Scarecrow. Scarecrow starts fighting him. He ends up uh, taking off Scarecrow's mask. Scarecrow then is inhaling a bunch of fear gas. So he starts freaking the fuck out. And then Batman basically just fucks with him at this point. Like, cause he's got like nose respirator filters in. So like the fear gas and like affecting him. So he comes down this minecart cart and like makes himself look big. Like he's trying to scare a bear and the scarecrow's just like really upset. The whole time. And then Batman just punches him in the head a lot. And then Batman leaves the carnival with a limp scarecrow in his arms. Next, Mr. Freeze. Ooh. Jason, what do you think of Batman 524?
1: Honestly, I I really dug it. I really started taking um quite a different view on this little arc. Yeah. For anyone who's a fan of the Friday the 13th franchise, like it just yeah. reminded me of that so much because it's like, spooky and scary but also just so goddamn silly and so yeah, yeah it does you know, have like, that
0: kind of vibe
1: yeah because like people are like you know people be like oh just takes manhattan is just so like they're not even serious. it's like yeah they weren't serious after the first movie man like what are you talking about <laughs> like they, they what they were doing <laughs> yeah you know yeah, like right, right come on like it's just this the kind of movie they were making and so i think this is like to, to me i take it as that is that like yeah they want to do like a you know, uh, like a horror story, but like, right. They, they know what book it is. Like they can't do like, right. They're not going to do blood.
0: They're not going to do gore, but they're yeah. going to, they're going to be like, Oh, this guy almost died. He was in a trap, but Batman helped them, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's just like yeah. kid glove fun stuff.
1: Yeah. So you might as well get silly with it. It's like, yeah, giant devil head and, you know, sure beats up the scarecrow real quick. Like, yeah, yeah,
0: the the Dark Pandemonium Carnival. Sure, yeah, I'm in.
1: Yeah, you know, like how every town has a Dark Pandemonium Carnival, <laughs> exactly. right? Your local <laughs> Dark Pandemonium Carnival
0: worked by the Dark Pandemonium Carnival Union. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you know, that's like, it's why it's still around, because it's good union work. The local know? Pandemonium 10101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Like> thanks to local <laughs> piano tuners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh,
0: so you read Shadow of the Bat. I did. This is a conclusion to the, uh, did you read Catwoman as well? Did you summarize that as well? No, no, I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to read Catwoman. You're you're forgiven. You're forgiven because the Catwoman is like the middle of Shadow of the Bat 43 and 44. Yeah. Also, this story is, uh, is a rough read, rough read. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. Take us into Shadow. All right. So, Batman, Shadow of the Bat 44, The Shadow Falls on Catman, The Secret of the Universe, Part 3. Written by Alan Grant. Art by Barry Kitson. Colorist by Paul Garrity. Color Separation by Android Images. Bill Oakley is the letterer. Brian Stilfries, still doing that awesome cover paintings. Jordan Cat B. Man. Gorfunkle, assistant editor, and Dennis O'Neill, big boy editor. Jumping right into these super inks, we have Catman beating up his hostage who is dressed like him. And he's pissed. I mean, super pissed that Catwoman stole his cape and cowl. The very source of my uncanny look and criminal success. <laughs> stolen. Just what a <laughs> whiny bitch. He is—he's he kind of whiny through this whole thing. Oh yeah, the whole—the whole time, just a spoiled, spoiled, rotten rich kid. So he curses Catwoman and the not at all culturally questionable Council of Three, but he won't be beat. He figures Catwoman is going to have to make the exchange for his cape and cowl to the other Council members at some point. So he grabs his two large kittens, panthers in this case. He's going to use his skills he honed as a big game hunter to track her down. The cats already have this human cat scent. So, like, you know, that pretty much, like, that's all you're doing. You're having your cats mm-hmm. lead, like, mm-hmm. real real big game hunter skills right there. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. It's like Legolas being asked, like, you know, what can you see with your elven eyes? And he just pulls out a pair of binoculars. He's like, give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just says Elven eyes on the side of the binoculars. Yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. While he's running away, he loses his footing and he trips up on something on the ground. Seems like his luck might actually ran out. Then we flip to, through the dark and muddy sewers that are that Batman and Catwoman are standing in. They're surrounded by rats, and Ratcatcher is telling them it's too late. All of Gotham is going down. Poisoning the water supply as he commands his ratties to kill the bats mm-hmm. and the cats. Catwoman tries to quip her way out of it, mentioning how romantic this is, you know, moonlight in the water and all that. While hundreds of rats descend upon them. Batman knows she's just trying to cope with this sort of terror, which, OK, you can you can recognize yeah. that Batman. You can't yeah. recognize this dude might need a
0: whatever. Right, whatever. right. Give, give the guillotine guy a
1: hug. Guillotine, yeah. guillotine. It doesn't matter. Like, just yeah. give him a hug. Batman tells her to shield her eyes as he throws a flash grenade and spear tackles uh, Ratcatcher. Catwoman, ever the survivor, takes this as an opportunity to get the cat out of there. As Batman has beaten the shit out of Ratcatcher, Catwoman tells him to keep up the good work, which, I mean, I thought that was pretty funny. I, it was pretty good. Me. But she looks up to the rope she's climbing and she sees a bunch of rats chewing that shit up. She tries to shoo them away, but it's too late. They've snapped the rope. As Catwoman falls back into the gross sewer water, Batman's trying to convince Ratcatcher that it's over. His control over the rats has worn off. No, they haven't. In his hour of need, he commands them to save him, and loads of rats begin to just pounce on Batman. Snap to police headquarters. We're in the new Commissioner Gordon's office, and she's talking over the list of chemicals Ratcatcher stole. She's like, well, it'd be easier just to make a deadly poison that wasn't on the list. She talks over her frustration with being cooped up in her office. To Detective Bach. She hates how she's just stuck there, reporting to the mayor, wondering how Jim did it all those years. Just then, the phone on her desk rings. It's the front desk. They've got an emergency call and thought they should patch it through to her, which, sure, that sounds like a normal thing for a commissioner to care uh, about. A, yeah, that's a regular commissioner thing that happens in real life. The call is from the hostage that Catman took. He broke free of some of his restraints. He's reporting, hey, I've been kidnapped. And then he remembers, oh, wait, the bomb that asshole set before he left with, with his big cats, before he can give his location, he starts to scramble away for his life, still tangled up in the ropes. The new commish tells Bach to go out with Kish. God, these names. There's so much goddamn story, Jason. There like. is. This is this is a packed full. But... I'm,
0: getting, I'm starting to get lost. <laughs> and like you're like 10 pages into a 22 page comic. <laughs>
1: yeah. I thought you were going to say 10 pages into my 22 page uh, summary that I got going yeah, on yeah, here. Yeah, you're you're a great American novel over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Written, written on a typewriter at first, you know, Bach goes off to look into this call because new commission Gordon has to report to the mayor, who, as we all know, is a jackass. Back in the sewers, though, Batman is being overwhelmed by a swarm of rats. Somehow, these smart little rodents snatch his utility belt. No more flashy grenades for him. Catwoman swoops back in to save the day, punching the rats off his back, telling Batman it's a, you know, good thing I decided to come back. <laughs> yeah, One you right. owe me, yeah? yeah?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. What a great, <laughs> she's such a stinker. Selina, you beautiful, beautiful person. Catwoman's a great character. yeah. And then we get some great, insane villain explanation from Ratcatcher about how all his buddies are like wicked smart now. (laughs) Batman still has percussion caps that he throws at the swarm to stall them for a bit. Now, if only Catwoman plays her part next, Batman thinks. Her part is opening a door that lets loose a torrent of what I'm sure is just some real nasty sewer water. (laughs) Flushing the cats, bats, and rats. All away, and the council of three hostage back at Catman's house is just making his way out of the last rope as nine one one is asking him to stay on the line. And he makes it out of the door and then boom, he gets blown to, you know, safety more than likely. Oh yeah, blown that, to safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catman has tracked down Catwoman's trail to a large drainage pipe, a chance to take care of Cat Catwoman and Batman. This rich douchebag can't pass up that kind of challenge. <laughs> Back to Ratcatcher in the sewer. Oh, it's all starting to come together now, isn't it? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ratcatcher starts ranting. We have the time. We have the numbers. We cannot be stopped. Finish them, my braddies. And this is just some like classic goofy villain dialogue, and I am fucking here for it, man. I, I, <laughs> I love that. Things are looking grim for Batman and Batman is out of ideas as him and Catwoman are being encircled by the aforementioned Raddies. Just then, just like the fucking T-Rex in Jurassic Park, Catman and his two beefy panthers pounce down into the fray. Which I just, uh, two giant cats, a bunch. I'm like, all right, all right, yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Catwoman the, is. Let's see, wait, the scene now is yep. Batman. Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Catman. Yep. Two cats. Yep. A fuck ton of rats and rat mm. catcher. Yeah. Catman's there to help? Question mark?
1: <laughs> well, accidentally. <laughs>
0: accidentally, okay. All right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, because Catwoman turns to Catman and goes, like, hey, nice timing, you know. And <laughs> and he like, you know, looks at her and he's like, laugh while you can, and tend to Cut a permanent grin on your face when, whoa, all right, yeah. just, uh, that got serious. Catman, along with his big cats, buy some time for the Cape Crusader and he goes after the biggest threat, the deadly and totally not goofy rat catcher. Yeah, rat catcher. Can I call you? Yeah, can I call you RC? RC he's being rushed, but it doesn't matter. He's like, all right, well, I'm gonna kill all of Gotham anyway, I'm just gonna, you know, go after that. And just as he's, he's about to pull a lever to dump all the poison. He gets hit by a batarang. Holy shit. Now he's sending the entire rat army after him. Batman flees to the first door he finds. To the first door he finds. And what does he find? A bunch of hypnotism equipment. Clearly the lab where Rat Catcher was growing his wicked smart rats. Looking around, he realizes it's just AV equipment and sees his only chance. Emerging from the room with two electrified cables, he then just plunges into a swarm of rats, Trying the pie of them, <laughs> which like just <laughs> goddamn. All right, it's oh uh, yeah. That's a. I was like, okay, okay. There are a few moments in this where I'm like, all, yeah,
0: right, all right, all right, all right. That's oh. good
1: comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little little golf clap, little golf clap. Okay, this whole huge thing seems to disturb the other rats as the commotion around Catman and Catwoman appear to die down. Catman attempts to take his cape and cowl back, but Catwoman just like hits him right on the button, and knocks him the fuck out. (laughs) One punch knockout. Which, like, yeah, great. Catman's freaking lame. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Ratcatcher is trying to command his remaining army of rats to stop Batman, who's still cooking the swarm that Ratcatcher (laughs) sent after him. (laughs) (laughs) And it looks like these rats are smart enough to know that they're done with this shit. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. (laughs) <laughs> They're getting out while the getting's good. And as they start to leave, Batman just grabs Ratcatcher, tosses the knocked out Catman over his shoulder. While making his way out of the sewer, this crazy motherfucker Ratcatcher is rambling that it doesn't matter. Rattus sapiens are out there. Humanity is doomed. Sure they are, Slugger. Sure they are. You, <laughs> I believe you, man. Give Ratcatcher his own book. Give yeah, him his oh. own book. Oh, God. <laughs> Give him his own book. Let me write it under the only condition that I have to be on, like, a bunch of coffee and a bunch of alcohol while yeah. writing it. I think <laughs> I can, like, reach the, like, right levels of crazy. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta get those uppers and downers,
0: like, synced up to
1: the Rat yeah. Catcher
0: vibration. <laughs>
1: That's yeah. What you yeah. Need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Catwoman meets up with the Council of Three, still two. She has the cape and cowl. After handing it over, she asks about her open invoice for the million dollars. The culturally appropriate Pacific Islanders are like, well, what? what we, we're we so poor. We can't, you know, uh, yeah. pay you. And Catwoman is like, well, here's a con and Hun. And she points and there's just two giant fucking panthers in the other room. And they're like, yeah, yeah. All right. Here, here's the million dollars. That's cool. <laughs> Here you go. All right. Catwoman, she might be a scamp. She don't screw around, though. No, she does not. <laughs> not, not. Not when it comes to that. She's not screw around. So they. she gets tossed a bag of money and Catwoman counts her money, happily dashes away, smiling that she got away with not giving them the real cape and cowl. She thinks she'll give it back to Catman at some point. After all, you know, he kept those two cats for a while and she's like treated them pretty nice. So like, can't be all that bad. And I'm like, man, Selena never change. I freaking love you. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, all you gotta do is like, like cats and treat them nice. And like, Selena's like, you ain't so bad. That's, that's the end of shadow of the bat 44, right? Uh, no, a little bit left, a little bit left. Okay. Yeah. There's so much goddamn comic. There is a two, two, two more paragraphs, two more paragraphs. Okay. Then at Wayne Manor in the morning, Alfred hears a doorbell ring. Why? It's Madeline Corbett in all of her boobage glory. She's asking oh, I forgot Bruce, about this. She's asking after Bruce. After Alfred tells her that he's not back from his nocturnal activities, gross, Alfred, gross. 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 Madeline is a Madeline is a that Bruce has been out all night doing what? She asks Alfred. Alfred, that sassy bitch is. I'm Master Bruce's butler, not his chaperone, madam. And Madeline stomps away. I just had to include that because, like, Alfred yeah, just being yeah. such a uh, such a bitch, right there. I, I love <laughs> you, Alfred. Never change. So, needle drop. Elton John's "The Bitch Is Back." You know, like, <laughs> goddamn. And then uh, back at the exploded house, Bach and Kitch find the limp body of the missing Council of Three, but he's dressed as Catman, and they're like. Well, we caught him. I'm like, man, this guy's just <laughs> having the worst freaking day. <laughs> and then next issue, the shadow of the bat falls on Wayne Manor in Anatomy of a Murder. Ooh. So Nick, what'd you, what'd you think?
0: Oh, I hated this. I hated all, <laughs> all this
1: shadow of the bat stuff.
0: It was <laughs> like, Baby Kitson can draw. He just like, chose not to for these issues I, I i don't know what he was thinking the inks are all like super muddy it's hard to follow there's too much going on with like rat rat catcher cat cat woman batman and then like you know i i just want a nice rat catcher cat woman story and like cat the whole all of the Catman stuff i feel like you could just cut and yeah. you wouldn't lose anything yeah, and like, it, I feel it's, like it's just, man, all of it just seemed like a lot. It just seemed like a lot.
1: I, I honestly, since I'm still sort of new to um, to summarizing these, I'm still yeah. unsure if, like, I'm the one who's going long. If, if I think I'm <laughs> taking too long of a time, I'm like, am I including too much? And then you always... Reassure me when I start reading it, and you're just like, Jesus! There's just so much in this goddamn book. Yeah, I'm like, there oh, really okay. is. It's not me; it's the book.
0: It's the book. Yes, this was a real yeah. trial by fire for summarization, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know where the Madeline Corbett stuff's gonna go. She keeps like trying to flirt with with Bruce through these issues. Like she's popped up before, and she's gonna pop up again. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is. She's just like a woman who's throwing herself at Bruce Wayne and I don't know if there's something else going on there or if they're setting up something, but I'm interested to see where it
1: goes. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they finally even though I haven't read any of the most recent Batman books, but like from what I know about them, I'm glad they finally just like got Selena and Batman together because like it was just always just so boring to me. Whenever they would try, like, someone who wasn't uh, a Catwoman or Talia to be a love interest for, for yeah. Bruce Batman. Because, like, he didn't really seem to give a shit about any other woman except for those two. And nobody yeah. could seem to write a convincing other woman that that
0: he would have uh, been interested in. Excuse me, Jason. What yeah. about... What about- Shit! I, th- I was like, I'll start this sentence, and then her name will come to me. Who's the <laughs> Who's the the girl who went on the bad acid trip and then like became a uh, six year old and also healed Bruce's back? Do you remember who that was? It was like Bruce's. Oh, was like I, I'm in love with her now for like
1: no reason. Yeah, well, see, exactly. That's why that was so insane yeah. because like you remember just, the I mean, name, no, uh, Doctor or something. No, I forget, I forget the Dr. name, Doctor Kinsolving. Was that it? Yes. Yes. I think that sounds right. I don't remember the first name, but it sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Poof. But yeah, this is, you know, and I will say about the art, like it just seems like the art was good in, the art would have been good in like an indie style book that was mostly like, you know, talking like the art was just like, this was like, I'd I'd also say that uh, an art house, film director at gunpoint being forced to film a superhero movie you know yeah, yeah. it's like it i would even yeah. say it might even work better
0: if there were far less characters in this book like if yeah. if it was definitely overloaded a more streamlined thing where i didn't have to keep track of the council of 3 catman Ratcatcher, Batman, Alfred, Madeline Corbett, the Mayor, the Commissioner—like,
1: there's eleven characters in this book, Jace. Like, yeah, yeah, and then like, uh, yeah, and then all much, their motivations. Yeah, and then all their motivations are so weird, and like, yeah, yeah the whole, um, yeah. When that ha- when that happens with
0: a script, it's so on the artist's shoulders to be like. the artist needs to give you all the road signs to like make it readable and legible. And like, you always know what setting you're in. You always know what, what kind of like uh, 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 all the transitions. So that way you, you it's, it's readable. And this is something that like, uh, I didn't mean to go on a rant here, but here we are. This is something that like, when, fans are like, oh, such and such was uh, written by this writer and he's such a great writer and I love this book. And it's like, yo, that's half the job. Because like, you can have a great writer and then make something completely illegible. And Shadow of the Bat 44 wasn't illegible, but it was like, not legible either. (laughs) You know, it's like kind of in the middle somewhere where it was like, it's just, it's just tough. Well, yeah, now that it's, it's especially disappointing because I know that Barry Kitson can draw and he's, he was just trying something on this one particular thing. It was the wrong fit for the wrong thing. And like, I, you know, I just, I don't know. It was just a, a,
1: a bad place. See, a bad I, you just made me think, cause I, I didn't really clock that there were like, I think maybe I was too deep in it. Cause I didn't really clock. That there were like, there was just so too much going on. Yeah. You know, and t- until you brought it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, there there really was. And I'm like and now I'm thinking, I'm like, what did Alan Grant just like walk up to Barry Kitson and be like, so you can be like uh, George Perez, right? OK, I'm just going to throw a <laughs> bunch of characters on the page and uh, just make sure to draw all of them all the <laughs> yeah, time yeah, in all yeah, different yeah, yeah. poses. And uh, oh, and make sure it's on time, too. You could. Hey, if George can do it, you can do it. It's legendary. One of the greatest comic book artists of all time can do it. Like. You can do keep track
0: of all these characters in all these environments and then also be like, I have to spend my time drawing a fucking 40 rats in a sewer. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. And then some of the rats are different because they're big and smart. And you're just like, what are we what do we doing here anyway? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it, it's fine. <laughs> Not my favorite issue. Of Shadow of the Bat by far.
1: No, but I, I think the thing that I think we can both agree the thing that saves it is Ratcatcher just being like a perfect just straight oh, up man. by definition comic book villain. Yes, know? absolutely. Like,
0: put Rat Cat, put Ratcatcher in everything. It's really uh, yeah. great. Get, I yeah. also I also appreciated <laughs> the fact that uh Catwoman is like the sexy character to to Batman right like oh Catwoman's in this got to bring the sexy and they're like let's
1: get in the sewer with a bunch of rats <laughs> it's, like yeah, the yeah. Least, it's like the least sexy thing ever now I will admit I was just laughing pretty hard at my own joke that I didn't even say because you said give <laughs> Ratcatcher his own book and I'm like yes give him his own book let Tom King write it and have it be about rat. how Ratcatcher doesn't have a good relationship with his dad boom Eisner yeah. right there yeah.
0: Oh my God! You could, you could have him have this realization about his dad, and then the rats form his dad, and he has a conversation with his dad, but it's oh, just a pile oh. of rats. Jason, this oh. is gold. It's oh gold.
1: God! This, this, this is great, man. We we need we need a, a six issue prestige little format <laughs> run. Let's
0: Pretty move genius. on to Detective Comics. Yeah. All right, I'll bask in your genius while you do that. (laughs) Detective Comics 691, written by Chuck Dixon, pencils by Staz Johnson, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by uh, Gloria Vasquez, seps by Android Images, letters by John Costanza, edits by uh, Scott Peterson with Darren Vincenzo. It's part of Underworld Unleashed, um, and it's called... uh, Will it go round in circles? So Underworld Unleashed is a uh, tie-in event for, the, for these DC books that are happening in 1995. Did you, do you know anything about that? I have no memory of it. Okay. Basically, what happened is, and I, I looked at like how many issues of Underworld Unleashed there are to be like, should I go down this road like we did with Zero Hour? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and there was 56 issues, and I was like, you know what? No, no. <laughs> Not, I'm not going to go down this road. However, six of the Starman issues are tied into Underworld Unleashed. Um, oh, sure. A so lot of issues way had like one or two here and there. Starman was like a full, full arc. So I'm like, hmm. I don't know how it ties in there. But basically, what's happening is this character, Neuron, has taken over hell and he has decided to use his new power as hell's vice prince principal i don't know whatever anyway as hell's, <laughs> hell's <principal>, vice roy <laughs> as hell's vice roy he's going to just uh give all these lame like like c tier d tier villains a little bit of power you know he's going to for in exchange for their soul he's going to juice them up basically that's kind of the tie in event that's happening so we don't actually get any neuron stuff he appears on a television real briefly we don't really get any of the hell stuff we just get him like juicing up a, a c tier d tier villain in this issue all right so spellbinder and his gang of henchmen in checkered body suits and a pink haired girl in a skirt and bra and jacket just uh, pulled the heist to beat and beat the Batman ready to split the loot they counted out the bat far too early as Batman and Robin jump into the room. Batman and Robin have gear on their head that looks like kind of like a VR headset thing so they can see via echolocation. The pink-haired girl cranks up the boombox in order to disorient them. Batman and Robin mop up the henchmen, but Spellbinder and his girlfriend escape to a crappy motel. Neuron, the new king of hell, comes on the television offering real power, not an illusion, in exchange for his immortal soul. Spellbinder tells him to heck off. The pink hair girl brutally guns down Spellbinder in the hotel room. Oh, so, just so quick. So Spellbinder is a villain that makes um, illusions using tech basically to kind of disorient Batman and like kind of like create the sense of vertigo and like be able to get away. Like that's his bit. Yeah, they are illusions, Michael. Yeah, illusions. Um, so the pink hair girl brutally guns down spellbinder and when i say brutally guns down i'm like she like loads the gun as neurons like hey do you want power and then he the spellbinder is like no thank you and then she just unloads like i think five or six rounds into his chest and then oh yeah it's just blood on the wall i don't know how we don't guillotine somebody in batman but then in detective comics we're like stone cold murdering villains but anyway it's fine it's. But, I mean, I, I guess it's fine. I don't know. Well, I, I, I
1: I do appreciate the um the trope though of like CD hotel, uh, gunshots. Obviously, no one cares because just oh yeah happens, yeah yeah Just happens here all the time. <laughs> so, Pinker Girl
0: brutally guns down Spellbinder and asks if the deal is open to her too. And Neuron says he uh, wasn't talking to Spellbinder in the first place. He knew he knew where the ambition was. Oh, yeah. They heck out of there. Cops eventually check it out with the crime scene. They're picking through it. Batman follows up on a place that he thinks is going to be robbed by Spellbinder. um, Since Spellbinder's loose, he finds the new Spellbinder. She is basically and she's in her new quote unquote Spellbinder outfit. She's basically in underwear, a leather jacket and a belt. (laughs) Yeah, that's her outfit. Yeah, armor. armor. Right. 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 Come on. Oh, my God. Jason, <laughs> this book, Batman and Robin try to fight the new Spellbinder to very little success. Uh, Robin makes a comment that's like, even when I close my eyes, I'm still disoriented. So it's like it's a really affecting them like real power. Eventually, Spellbinder takes away all semblance of location in, in this warped world, and they're just in a white void. Also, Montoya was at her apartment when a military guy tried to flirt with her. Also, Bruce Wayne sucks at golf, but on purpose because he's Batman. <laughs> Jason, what'd you think of six ninety one?
1: Honestly, I, I, I dug it. I dug it in the. I did uh, too. In in the just like, I know we say it a lot, but just let like the pure like comic book. Oh like, man. Like, like this I, thing I had schlock all the way through. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I had like the same reaction as as you when you saw the new Spellbinder and her like new costume. And I was like, I was like in my head, I was like hooting and hollering, hollering like a married with children audience. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Ah! <laughs> you know, like I know because it's oh. like she she
0: is already barely wearing anything in yeah. the hideout. And then she transforms into Spellbinder, and it means that she just lost her pants, basically. It's so weird.
1: You know, I, I just realized this. A lot of my, the, the way I love comic books, well, the way I love superhero comic books, and not all superhero comic books, but the way I love a good portion of superhero comic books, especially this kind, I think is the way that most people who are really into it generally love uh, professional wrestling, you know? Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, Same they, vibe. Yeah. Cause they know it's dumb. They know it's over the top, but they're like, I don't care. This is awesome. Like they're right. trying to do an awesome thing. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care that she's basically wearing underwear and in like seven inch heels. Like right. this is awesome. Right. it doesn't have to make sense. Just enjoy the ride. You know,
0: man, um, I was thinking about when we, when I was reading this issue, I was thinking about how there's a lot of, uh, very horny artists on Twitter and Instagram and and all that kind of stuff. And they're all, like, younger people who are drawing these really horny characters. And the Spellbinder, despite being, like, in, you know, giant heels and underwear and a belt, like, not sexy at all. And there's, there's, like, a, there's a weird... Disconnected. I couldn't tell if it was the 90s or the way comics are made or whatever. But I was like, if you gave this issue to like one of these extremely talented, you know, 20 somethings, 30 somethings that are like on Twitter and Instagram, they would draw like they would go for it. It'd be ass out like going for it. And it just does not happen here. And it's, it's strange to me. It's just like an observation to like walk this line between. Like, we're gonna make Spellbinder, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a woman now, and she's sexy, but also not too sexy because I'm uncomfortable with that. You
1: know, it's, yeah. it's this weird. Like I I don't know. It's it's just strange to me. Well, I think I think it's because of the community that sort of like even though it's not one thing, but the sort of like the fan art community that started. Oh, yeah. Like, pro- probably like more so the way we know it today uh, on, like, early Tumblr, where, yeah. like, uh, f- and I was never, like, that deep, like, into my knowledge of it or anything, but, like, in the way I always saw it and the way that, like, that kind of, like, ultra-horny art, like, it beca- became commonplace and how right. they got really good at it is, like, there seemed to be this culture in Tumblr, especially early Tumblr, that was just, like, one-upsmanship, but you couldn't just, like, one-up sure. somebody by like i don't know adding like just bigger tits i mean sure you could do that too but it had to be something like more like you were like there was like a right, real right right and, and i
0: think that's but what like the con the, it's like crafting a context of sexy and like yeah. this is there's no context of sexy in this book no no i think that i think that tumblr weaponized horny comic artists. I'm gonna i I'm gonna say that right now. Oh we'll yeah. go on that limb. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's- Spellbinder's early beginnings and then
1: nowadays we have weaponized horny art. Oh yeah. Just just like people who like somehow find themselves like getting calls from animation studios be like, hey uh I saw your work where uh one of these characters it was uh mostly a pile of dicks but they still look pretty sexy so uh want a job <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, I sure. think I've seen that one. I think I've seen that <laughs> one floating around. God, I think we will now. Let's, let's just put that out into the universe. Please don't, please, don't send, please don't send us a pile of dicks. Please. No, don't, please. don't send it. Draw it and post yeah. it to your Tumblr, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Go ham. All oh, you. Yeah,
1: yeah. total.
0: total. Uh, Jason, should we move on to what this the core of this show is, which is the brand new issue of Batman and Robin Adventures number one. Batman
1: and Robin Adventures, issue number one, written by Paul Dini, penciled by Ty Templeton, inked by Rick Berkett, Berchick Rick Burkett, why is your name so hard to say? Colorist I would say, is I always say Burchett. Burchett. Burchett, Burchett. Oh yeah, that's probably the right way to. Inked by Rick Birchett. colorized by Linda Medley. Who I texted you about, lettered by Richard Starkings and Comicscraft. Uh Darren Vincenzo is our associate editor. Scott Peterson is our big boy editor. Quick little aside by uh about Linda Medley. And yeah. I believe this is the same person, but anybody listening, uh Linda Medley had a self-published and then I think Fanagraphics maybe or DQ uh collected her works uh called Castle Waiting. And it was just this um this fun little comic book about uh, wayward fairy tale characters all gathered and like living in like the same village. It was supposed to take places like these characters existed after the stories, you know, of like what huh. like happened after them. And it was it actually like predated fables, you know, and she's self-published I was for say. a while. Yeah. yeah, And I remember too, uh, reading a short article with her and this always stuck with me cause it was so odd and I loved it. And, uh, they asked her about her process and she's like, well, yeah, I always drew on uh, eight and a half by eleven paper, so like that's what I draw the book on too. She just draw <laughs> it on just standard, like fucking full goblin mode over here, like yeah, just whatever yeah. you got.
0: I'll just draw it. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: which is great. And I, I didn't, I didn't realize or remember that she uh, had had a other career in in comic books before that. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So. Let's go, Batman quietly commands as him and Robin swoop down into some shenanigans on the docks. Amid a hail of gunfire and punches, Robin gets in a few quips. He notices a goon with a bazooka. He doesn't like the idea of that after an tick, handstand spinning kick. Nailed which, it. You, yeah. And which, you know, like, kind of like, hat on a hat there, Dick. Like, all right, man, yeah. like, yeah. Hmm. He knocks the bazooka back just in time as it fa- fires harmlessly into the air for some fireworks, celebrating a job well done. Enough hot-dogging, Robin. Come on. Get your head in the game. After a, cele- after a celebration of a goon tune-up job well done, Robin mentions how nice it is to be back kicking the shit out of people. Goons are people too, but, you know, they're put there for the whooping, so that's okay. Yep, yep. Yeah. But he's still a busy college man now, and he's got to get in an early class the next day. Bruce, for himself, also has an appointment that he intends to keep, visiting his old friend Harvey Dent, who is making excellent progress fighting his two-faced personality. At Arkham the next day, we see a grateful Harvey. I'm finally starting to feel like a whole person again, he says. He thanks Bruce for footing the bill for his treatment, and the doctors tell him that he's well enough for the operation now. His girlfriend Grace is there, and he thanks her too. And he's just astonished at all the support that he's gotten given the crimes that he's committed. Which, like, hey man, you know, all right, Harv. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. rehabilitation, yeah, you know, being being truly grateful, you know. After uh, after Bruce and Grace visit, Harvey is being led back to his cell. Joker notices this joker's kind of bored and he notices that uh harvey's looking a little chipper and that doesn't seem like you know fun to him this other guy being happy you know and he brings up to harvey that maybe bruce and grace are a little uh a little little doing some a little carousing behind his back harvey takes quite an exception to uh, this.
0: Uh, carousing is that what we're calling it carousing yeah,
1: yeah carousing <laughs> I was going to say hanky-panky. Ooh, okay, that was better. Yeah, he suggests some hanky-panky going on behind his back. And Harvey takes quite the exception to this, and his two-faced rage shows as he slams his fist against the Joker's cell. But elsewhere, Bruce is showing off to Grace a renovation project that Wayne Corp is beginning that will revitalize an old building complete with a movie theater, low-income apartments, and he thought it might cheer her up after the visit with Harvey, which aren't easy on either of them. And, you know, he's like, hey, it's going to be a grand opening gala tonight. You should you should come out. You never you never get out. You got to treat yourself, girlfriend. But not mm-hmm. that kind of girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Not that kind of girlfriend. But like, you know, the, but yeah. you know. But yeah. Yeah. And she agrees. And she's just like, oh, what did, what did me and Harvey do to have such a good man as him as a friend? And so back at Arkham, Joker notices Harvey come into the rec room and he gets up from his paper and fake apologize to him, but Harvey ain't having any of it. And the Joker makes a getaway from an increasingly like very angry Harvey, like, which I honestly, I always really enjoyed the, um, how, how for such a great laugh, the cowardly and self-preservation of the Joker, Like his nature can be like played for like a great joke. Yeah. Yeah. But he's slightly mad at him. Who's not like a goon. He'll just immediately cower from and not want to be hit. Did you, did you notice too, there
0: was uh, some background character action going on here with uh, ventriloquist and penguin playing chess and the ventriloquist being mad at the dummy. And like, like, like hitting him over the head about a bad chess move in the background.
1: No, no, I didn't get to that. Oh, man. Yeah,
0: it's pretty good. Oh, just, I'm just have Just like to... a little three panel gag that like Ty Templeton just like snuck in there a little bit.
1: Yeah. So Joker leaves a clearly angry Harvey, but he strategically dropped a paper, the paper he was reading. So Dent will notice the headline for the gala event for Bruce's renovation project. And in the little kind of commotion, uh, Joker started. He steals a phone from the office, which leaves the guards wondering where the hell it went. Which I'm like, <laughs> sure. I don't know, guys, you're in a building full of criminally insane people. like.
0: And the Joker is able to just like walk around.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe one of them, you know. Uh, yeah. but. but so Joker calls up his gal Friday with a plan that he thinks will end up in some great laughs. At the event that night, Bruce welcomes Grace, who's wearing such a lovely ball gown, I must say. She's looking good. She's happy to be out and about on the dance floor. And, you know, uh, Grace and Bruce start reminiscing. I didn't realize they were such old friends, but it makes sense. Like, you know, Bruce goes way back with Harvey. Sure. You know, and she's like, oh, remember when we all used to go out dancing, her and Harvey and Bruce, and... And she could never really remember any of his girlfriend's names. Bruce explains, like, well, never been that into long term relationships, you know, that PTSD motherfucker. Oof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. As they slip off to the dance floor and towards an ostentatious fountain, Grace continues to question Bruce about his aversion to long term relationships. He's such a caring and doting friend. And she starts to go, oh, but if things were different. Oh, but they weren't, Bruce replies. No, no, of course they not. Of course they're not. Bruce, you know, Bruce and Grace, they're, they seem pretty cool. You know, what a cool lady. They're just having a nice little moment and they know. And then, you know, just as Grace tells Bruce that this is such a lovely party, a little peck on the cheek. Who oh, the hell is that? Who let the paparazzi in? The paparazzi. They're both shocked. Like, who took a picture? Like, what the? And Bruce is all confused. And he's like, who was that? That sounded, the voice sounded so familiar. Then as the photographer is trying to get away, he hears her say, step aside, Puddin'. 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 Hold on a friggin' second. And just at the, right at the same time, Dick notices something's going on, too. Yeah, She was
0: actually pushing Dick Grayson
1: aside when she called
0: him put in. He was like, what the? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Something's something's amiss. So they both spring into action to get into their work clothes as the paparazzo, who is Harley, Mm -hmm. strides, makes her way over to the editor of the Gotham Globe Society page with a picture of Grace kissing Bruce. And tells them that they've made they've announced their engagement. Oh man, shit's about to go down. And as Harley's making her getaway to a fabulous purple van, I must say, yep, Batman and Robin are already waiting, perched on top of it. Robin doesn't think Harley should leave the party so soon. Batman wants to know what Harley's up to. She's just out taking some pictures for a scrapbook, you know. And she lifts her camera to snap a picture, pressing the button and then boom, massive flame shoots out. I want a camera like that. Yeah, pretty neat. Dodging out of the way, Robin is able to kick the camera out of her hands, but Miss Quinn decides that capturing the moment on video might be a better option, with the video camera being a uh, giant gun that just sprays the both of them <laughs> with bullets yeah. as, she, as she shouts for her babies. And I, babies. I really
0: appreciate it, by the way. There's a shot where, so she's like shooting, shooting this machine gun video camera. And then there's a shot of like through the lens of the machine gun video camera, which is recording. So it's still a camera with a machine gun in it. And so it's like perspective of like, you know, yeah. like what the the camera and machine gun are seeing as a batarang is like flying at her.
1: Yeah, it's just so much fun. And I also just will always love uh, her babies, and oh, how she yeah, calls yeah, for yeah. her babies. Just, just the insane hyenas. Which very quick aside, but did you know that like apparently like gangs in like certain African countries will like they have use- hyenas? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know that. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, please, yeah. please just please just shoot me in the head. Whatever like yeah. what do I need for a quick death? I don't want to get ripped apart by a hyena. hyenas, God, yeah, yeah, and that's it's real brutal, <laughs> yeah, terrifying, yeah, she and she calls for her babies, her little little babies, her little hyenas, well, wait, no, they're not very little, and they pounce quickly on Batman and Robin, <clears throat> Harley makes her get away and tells her babies to play nice, which like, hey, she's trying to be a good mom, you know, yeah. Batman quickly knocks him out with some doggy knockout gas, which I guess if like, you know, if postal carriers carry that, Batman's got to carry it, right? Like, sure. Yeah. Back at Arkham, the Joker is giddy with excitement as he skips down the halls with the paper in his arms. I love this whole sequence.
0: Yeah, that shot of Joker skipping down the hall is very, very good.
1: Yeah. He snorts and laughs even harder as after he opens the paper... His plan is working out perfectly and he skips down the cell block and the Joker slips the paper secretively into Harvey's cell. Harvey pulls the paper up, turning red with rage as he turns, tears it to shreds with the headline in the background blaring, billionaire and lawyer to marry. The door to his cell opens just at the moment. And the guards are delivering his breakfast right when Harvey's just well, he does what he does. He charges at them, smashing the orderly's face into the wall. Robin and Batman are going over the footage of the mayhem of Two Faces Escape in Arkham's security room, which, gotta say, appreciated that they just kind of been like you know he just, you know, got out. Yeah. And he just got out. He escaped. Two faces yeah. back, baby. Yeah, he, he went nuts, stole a gun, uh, punched his way out of the place. Yeah. No one, no one knows what made him snap. And they're talking this over as they're walking out. Batman's wondering aloud if someone had maybe goaded him in some way into escaping. Someone who knew how to get under his skin. Joker overhears this and he can't help himself. And it's like, oh, when he's right, he's right. The Joker compliments Batman. He knew Harvey only needed just the tiniest little push. So he pushed, you know what? And Batman is just so very quietly livid right now. He's like, why, Joker? And the Joker replies, well, because it was a Tuesday. And then, you know, just laughs like the maniac that he is. <laughs> Batman yeah. and Robin march away as they talk over uh, what they know, speeding away uh, in the Batmobile. Yeah, Batman, Batman and Robin leave, speeding away in the Batmobile. They're kind of going over what they know. Batman knows Mm -hmm. that the globe printing a retraction won't matter at this point because Harvey has gone full Two-Face. He feels he's been betrayed. This time, it's going to be bad. Damn, Bats. Dark. Dark. As the rain pours down, Grace is looking frightened out of her window. Just then, gunshots as the doors kicked open. It's Harvey in full Two-Face villain outfit. Hi, honey. Looks like I'm not the only Two-Face in Gotham. Holy crap, what a cliffhanger. To be continued.
0: Man, that last shot of like Harvey soaked from the rain, dual-wielding pistols, and he's like, I'm not the only Two-Face in Gotham. I was like, yes, yes, Ty Templeton. Yeah. Crushing that.
1: Crushing it. You know, I think sometimes... Yeah, Harvey was clever. Like, Two-Face is a clever, like... You know, yeah. he, he gets the villain puns and stuff, you know, and I, I always enjoy when they, cause he see cause he always seems like such a serious, like gangster character. But then it's just yeah. like, oh yeah, he's a guy with half a face who flips a coin. Like, no, wait, he's a total comic book villain. What do you mean? I mean, yeah, he, it, obviously absolutely. he's a comic book villain, but like, you, you know, you know, so you, you like the uh, inaugural run of the, oh uh, man, volume? I, I loved it.
0: Uh, I love that they are, it's it's a little it's a little sad to see the act structure go because I liked all the um, names of all the acts and stuff like that. like yeah. that was real hand bone comics like, you know, just very fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. This this arc was called two timer, but. Uh, yeah, I so I'm sad to see that go, however. It's going to be nice to get some multi part stuff, and I think that's what they're kind of teasing. um. I'm never going to say no to a Paul Dini joint. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's well-written, good characterization, like quick on the page reads really good. You, You, he does, he wrote it in such a way where like Joker's talking to somebody and we don't know who it is. And then Harley shows up not as Harley Quinn, but like Harleen Quinzel, like she's dressed like a normal person, but like he gives you enough of the line of like for you to come to the own your own conclusion of like, oh, of course this is Harley showing up. We're gonna get some Harley antics, you know, without actually directly saying it and and leaving yeah. that reveal kind of for the reader, um, which I loved. It's so good. Oh uh, yeah,
1: yeah. No, that's that that's the way to do it. I think I think that like if you're writing something, I think it's a lot harder to you know, people always say show don't tell, right? Yeah. And and that's like all right like good meat and potatoes advice but like it can be really hard to do and then still tell uh, a coherent story sure you know? sure and so That's one of the yeah.
0: i i wrote a handful of horror scripts uh like about a year ago and the thing that was most difficult was straddling that line like how much do i do i tell the reader and how much do i Hold back and like, is it okay if they don't totally get exactly like if only half the readership gets it, you know what I mean? Quote unquote gets it, you know, writing that line, I think is really hard. And so when you see like someone like Paul Dini, who's like a stone cold pro do it and do it effortlessly, it's like, Oh, this is great. This is fantastic.
1: Yeah. And, and especially someone who doesn't fall into like, um, Uh, I I think maybe, maybe it is his background in animation that just also just allows him to like trust the artist. Cause I think a lot of times when writers who come from not comic books start writing comics, even if they're like lifelong comic book fans and all of that will tend to overwrite, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like I think they even joked about it at the time, but on Kevin Smith's Daredevil run, I think even in the letters, like Joe Quasada like joked at the time that like uh, Kevin Smith had like a a three thousand word minimum in every one of his scripts or something like that, like <laughs> y- you know, just like because cause he he like you know he he's a lifelong comic book fan, but like at that point he was he's still, also
0: he's also just a wordy motherfucker, like
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, and he wanted Dude that talks. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he likes that in his dialogue. Like that's the way he yeah. writes dialogue is just a whole lot of talking. And so like, y- you know, like he didn't really like, like those books are good. I haven't reread them in ages. But, I was like,
0: going to ask you, I was going to ask you if you've re- <laughs> reread them at all recently at all. Like when was the last time you read them? Do you think?
1: Probably a good 15 years ago at this point. yeah. Like I, I had them for a little, I got rid of them at some point. Uh, and I, I would reread them from time to time. Even his uh, green arrow run. I was just going to say, I, I like,
0: I, I'm very curious. I, I set aside that green arrow run into my to read pile like a long, long time ago. And then just never got around to it. Um, yeah. Cause I was, I was, I was on like a Phil Hester kick and I was wanted to read a lot of Phil Hester stuff. He drew that oh.
1: green arrow. run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, big Phil Hester stands over here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, and so I was like, I was wondering if the writing had was gonna hold up or not. I remember it being a sensation when it came out, but like, does it still hold up? Like, Kevin Smith's stuff in general doesn't really hold up. So, yeah, not
1: for me. Not for,
0: I mean, Mall Rats is still great. Like, Mall, Rat, Mall Rats, I have a lot of nostalgia tied into, but like, I, I, I so it's, hard, it's tough for me to separate it.
1: Um, well, yeah. Yeah, but, but I Ma- don't know. Malrats I- is just straight, straight up. Malrats is just a stoner comedy, so any other thing yes. like about it, like it can get a yeah. pass because like it's essentially just a stoner comedy. So it's like, all right, fine. Like it doesn't.
0: Yeah, but then it's like, I don't know. Chasing Amy, he tries to like tackle sexuality in like the late '90s, and it's just like, oof. This is yeah. like. It just did not age well at all, like yeah. at, at all, at all. Yeah, no, um, no. Anyway, anyway, we don't have to, this, we don't have to turn this into a Kevin Smith podcast. Yeah. The other thing yeah. that I wanted to remark on with this issue is uh the colors are very expressive in places Um that uh Linda Medley did a, a great job with this, uh, especially when like, Two faces rage is boiling over. She did this like these like reds and yellows, yeah, with this, like, neon green backgrounds, uh, and she does it multiple times through this issue. She like created a motif for it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah,
0: I did pick up which on that. Was just real smart, just good comics, like good storytelling. You know, that's what that's what the pros do. You know. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Well, it's just one of those things though too. When I was just thinking about like. You know how you said like, you know, Joker just makes a call and then we find out later on, you know, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. It's it's Harley. Oh, of that's course, who, it's Harley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I was thinking about like, you know, oh, writing advice, how to make something good, how to blah blah you know, like all that stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. well, it's still it's still really hard because there's no one thing. There's no one way. You know, it's oh, like you, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like, oh, you tell someone like, Oh, show don't tell. It's like Yeah. Okay. Like, Oh, lift with your knees, not with your back. It's like, wait, that's it. It's like, well, no, not really. You actually have to like, make sure your feet are in the right way and oh, make sure you're, you you know, like there's all these, like, if you're like lifting something and you want to lift it properly, right. It like, it all depends because maybe if you're lifting something that's like water, it might, you might want to lift it differently because, you know, sure. If you're writing this kind of story, maybe you need this. If you're writing that kind of story, maybe you need that. I was
0: yeah, I was thinking about this the other day because uh lately I, I don't know I don't know how the, I got on this this line of thought but like I was thinking about some of the old comics that I did and I've been enjoying really really enjoying doing uh Star Trek stuff cuz it's like so colorful, it's so weird. I'm really able to like cut loose on it um and just like really loving the color and and i i read some of my older stuff and i remembered being like 25 years old and being like i don't want to do mainstream books there's no art there there's no mood it's just regular skin tones like local color stuff and like you know that's it but it it took me getting that down and then realizing, oh, like trying to do superhero stuff is like a whole other separate skill set. And like you were saying, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, you just don't show, don't tell. But it's like I had to basically screw it up a few times in order to like start getting it right, essentially. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, show, don't tell. But then like you have to like get on the page, try it out, see if it works, try it again make it better. It's like a constant refinement into exactly what you want it to be. And when you read this, it's like, Oh yeah. Dini made it look, you know, easy. Yeah. But in reality, it's like that kind of turn to write that kind of turn, I think is, uh, not necessarily for amateurs kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, like
0: the, the impulse there, especially, you know, like I'm a very amateur writer. Um, like my impulse there would be like, Oh, Joker's on the phone. And then we'll show Harley on the phone. Cause everyone loves Harley. We want to show her, you know, like that kind yeah. of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, actually and, and, a, and a perfect, uh perfect example of that I think is in this episode is, is Barry Kitson where it's like, yeah, you, you, you know, we, we gave our criticism of the artwork, but made sure to say that like, yeah, you try stuff out.
0: Oh yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And, and you're, absolutely. And you, and you don't know, you don't know if it's going to, a lot of times you don't know if it's going to work.
0: Yeah. And as a comic book artist too, it's like, it's not like he can quietly take a month to like, try it out and make a comic that no one's going to see before. Like, like you're in comics, you are like working through the stuff on the page, you know? And that's what kind of makes comics so exciting is that you can see people like trying things, tinkering, you know, discarding the stuff that doesn't work, keeping the stuff that does, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, because they're not like, it's not like um, the the two guys who are Steely Dan, just like, you know, getting a bunch of great session musicians, having them play for t- 10,000 hours, and then, you know, over the yeah. course of three years, like picking out like the best parts in a studio yeah, right, right. until you get like the most perfect, like, You know, little song, you know, like
0: at a certain point, you're just like, we got to get these session guys in here and cut this record,
1: you know? Yeah. And like, whatever
0: we come up with is what we
1: come up with. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I I think that, you know, speaking as someone who in his life could take this lesson a lot more to heart is that I think that something else that also teaches you when you iterate that fast God, I sound like such a tech douchebag, but I couldn't figure out a better way to say that. But when, Jason, when are we, you are going are you
0: gonna uh move fast and break things? Is that what's happening oh, here? Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I'm I'm going uh, I'm going after uh PFTs now. It's, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know what PFTs are, but I'll be pushing them next week. You don't need to know what they are. Move fast and break things, Jason. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's already broken. Someone wanted to give yeah. me money for it, but I told them, No, it's broken. I'm on to the next thing. Uh, But is that sometimes I think that the amount of work that people put into this stuff and the amount of uh, passion you put into it and then like it's a dream for a lot of people that it can be really uh, instructive to still try new things in public and sort Mm -hmm. of like have them fail in public and you learn such a bigger lesson from that and like not only do you learn the lessons of like why it may not have worked like mechanically but you also learn the lesson of like, okay, well, the reaction wasn't great, but I'm still alive. It wasn't that bad. Okay. And, and so like that run it back. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think it might also help kind of give you like a, uh, a bit more of like confidence that like, okay, well, like the, like the next time you're trying to figure out a page where you're just like, how the hell do I, do I put this page together? You know, it it can give you a bit more confidence to be like, just try shit, you know, instead yeah, of being absolutely. stuck. And yeah, instead of just being like, yeah, just straight stuck and like, oh God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. You know, it's like, yeah, well, yeah. if it doesn't work out, like that's yeah, fine. Uh I have one other thing to add.
0: Ty Templeton on page twenty-one, absolutely like just a a fantastic layout that I would never think of. And I just wanted to highlight it. It's the the first panel is like Batman and Gordon and Robin, like going through the uh, Arkham Asylum. And this is when Joker reveals that like, oh, yeah, he pushed Harvey over the edge because because it was a Tuesday and. They they are walking through. And then the second panel is like this hallway shot, very low angled hallway, hallway shot, low horizon line, very, very small in the distance. And then on top of that are the panels of Joker. So Joker's like in your face as you're reading it, as he's like laughing. And then Gordon overlaps the last panel. Gordon's watching the Joker crack up. So you're there with Gordon. You got got what Gordon sees. And we get that because Gordon's like overlapping the, the panel. So it's like, oh, we're watching the Joker. And here's Gordon watching the Joker. We're with them. And then you see as like this secondary motion as you like sweep back to like see the next panel on the left side you see batman and robin walking down the hallway very tiny but they're inked with like hard blacks so like and nothing else is around them so they like stick out you really like linger there for a second you see them walking down the hallway and then you get because you're moving in that direction you get the batmobile moving left to right and get a lot of good motion in there. It's just a beautiful page. Oh that yeah. Put together. Like I I just when I saw that page I was like, oh man, Ty Templeton just just treating us.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, when you yeah, when you see a page like that, like that's that's a great that's a great pull cuz like yeah, that that's like a um I mean again, it's like one of those like uh everyone wants to do a wonder like scorsese did you know yeah. in in goodfellas but like yeah there there's a reason though his is so effective and it's right. not it's not just the mechanics of it you know and there's like it's it's like in sports when people try to replicate like the success that some other coach or team has and right. like it sometimes works out a little bit, but they usually end up having to do something a bit different because it's like, yeah, those people succeeded a lot because they're those people. And there's like 50 different decisions they made that like you don't know why. Sure, it, sure. Decisions, you know, in that way. And like, yeah, you're right. That That's just such a it's such a beautiful, subtle little thing.
0: Oh, yeah. That. Like top tier storytelling. Just like excellent.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and and you get to see the great close up of I loved. I think I got too distracted by uh, the because I'm huge on uh, facial expressions, but of uh, Joker's face. Oh yeah, these... all the acting
0: so yeah. good, and then yeah, they, and then uh, Medley colors it, and she has like Joker in like a pale yellow, and then an orange and then a red for the backgrounds. So he's like escalating in laughter as he like realizes that his plan has come to fruition. It's just yeah. like everybody on the book is firing on all cylinders. It's just a great, oh, yeah.
1: great issue.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. A, a bunch of, just a murderer's row.
1: Honestly, like honestly, yeah. just, yeah.
0: Um, no letters column instead. Uh, Scott Peterson just kind of chatted about the book and who's on it and they're, Previous uh, uh, books that they've worked on and things like that. One little bit of info in there. Ty Templeton, apparently a a Screen Actors Guild carrying member at one point because he was in Sea of Love with Al Pacino and John Goodman. (laughs) I thought that was like a really like neat detail. And then wonderful. He's apparently also a musician. He used to make his living playing piano in smoky bars, Uh so I I thought that those were two little like interesting little tidbits. I also I sent you a um, it was it was either an anti gravity room episode or yeah uh, no it was, it was
1: from uh it was from oh god rest in peace anti gravity room I loved you you weird Canadian people so much yeah it was such a good it, it was either
0: that or the previous show there was like a I forgot what it was called. Well the one you sent um, me had an MTV tag on it. So I thought it was just like oh, okay. an MTV like maybe it was just an MTV special. But there was they yeah. were talking about a comic book and they had Ty Templeton there in the 90s as he was working on uh I think this issue because like he showed some pages and stuff. And uh he was broke breaking down how to make a comic and he was just being an absolute hand bone, talking about how like, he was explaining the process, but then he was like, it passes over to the letter, and he's like, I'm Sly Templeton, and it's like, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the talented one, you know, like he's just being a jackass, and it was oh, just very great. fun,
1: and it made me yeah. love Ty
0: Templeton more, so I just wanted to bring it up.
1: Yeah, so it was, man, so someone get Ty Templeton in an endorsement deal, you know? Yeah, right. Dude obviously loves the camera. Oh know? man, reading reading these issues. Really makes me want to
0: corner him at a convention and have him regret meeting me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just make it weird right away by bringing up this like TV, right away this TV right away. spot. Hey, for, like, hey remember in 1993
0: ago? when you did this when you did this TV spot for MTV? That was pretty cool. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, yeah.
0: Man. Anyway regular regular letters next month or next pod not next pod because we're gonna do two read next but next bat pod yeah regular letter column uh scott says that those letters are probably going to be for the end of uh batman adventures not batman and robin adventures so it's gonna take a little while to catch up yeah like i said before it was like something like three issues three issues behind are usually the letters so yeah yeah regular letters next issue And I
1: look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Jason. Nick. How can people get in touch with you? They can contact me on the still somehow floating and not imploded yet. Twitter machine. It is amazing that it is still up and running. It is. It is. Uh at uh King of Black Acid is my personal uh, but also we tweet out at world second finest. That's world second with the two with the updates on our episodes, little little, you know, fun gags here and there. And if we take a hiatus, I posted it up there. I was like, we're gonna be gone
0: for a few weeks. Yeah. You know, so if you're ever like, where's the pod? Like you can find it there like yeah. an explanation of whatever's going on yeah yeah
1: where where can where can people find you they got they got to get their uh elf eyes branded uh binoculars out to... <laughs> elf eyes yes
0: They jason see when you make a callback like that and then i attach this exit to the second podcast that we're
1: making it doesn't work It doesn't, nobody knows what the elf eyes thing is this is comic books just put a little uh editor note <laughs> under my joke and tell and be them like, to see
0: found an episode whatever whatever yeah <laughs> thanks yeah. jason <laughs> yeah this is simple it's simple there we go there we go we solved it uh you can find <laughs> me at linktree.com slash nick phil all all the stuff is up there uh i actually have have kind of reinvigorated myself to uh doing some more art on the twitch stream i've basically been doing all fire emblem but uh I've been feeling like I want to do some more. Um, Delicious in Dungeon is getting an anime. And so I kind of wanted to see if I could jump on the hype train a little by coloring a page out of the, out of Delicious in Dungeon Volume 1 and uh, seeing how that turns out, post it up uh, and do it on uh, Twitch. I also just recently pinged a handful of artists who I've never worked with but always wanted to and see if they had any commissions or anything lying around that they wanted to get colored. Uh, we'll see what I get. I don't know. Just sent out a lot of open invitations. So we'll see what happens. Oh, cool. Cool. And the Twitch link is up on the link tree. The Discord link is up on the link tree. Uh, come hang out and, uh, yeah, talk comics.
1: time. Yeah. Yeah. Talk comics. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone.